0: You're listening to sermons from South Point Fellowship, where we are equipping the family of God for the mission of God, to see everyone around us transformed by the gospel of Jesus. For more information, please visit southpointfellowship.org. November the 14th, 1958, at James Walker Memorial Hospital in Wilmington, North Carolina, I, Mark Nelson Powell, was born in sin born a sinner born with a sin nature genesis two seventeen, god told adam and eve enjoy all of this but this one thing don't do in the day that you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you will surely die psalm 51 5 says david said behold i was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me? Isaiah 64, 6 says, but we are all of an unclean thing, and all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. We all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. John chapter 3 and verse number 18 says, he that believeth not is condemned already. Romans three ten says, as it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23 says. And Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. Everyone who is a living, breathing human being that has ever been born is born into sin. Everybody that is a human being is a sinner. Everybody that is a human being is spiritually dead going all the way back to Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 17 and in Genesis 3 and the fall where Adam and Eve experienced spiritual death, separation from God, and then physical death. I was born into sin, November the 14th, 1958. But I was born again. I was born of God in the fall of 1974 at Grace Baptist Church. And and when you look at John chapter 3 again that I just quoted from, Uh, Listen to what Scripture says. and, And please be aware that Scripture is not beholden to your system. Scripture is not beholden to your denomination. Scripture is not beholden to whatever you grew up with. Scripture stands alone as authoritative, as the explanation for what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We add a lot of things to that that are not biblical and depend upon those things as opposed to depending upon Christ. But listen to what what uh, Jesus and Nicodemus as they transpired in John chapter 3, verses 1 to 8. But there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can a man enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, November the 14th, 1958. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. In the fall of 1974, do you marvel that I say to you, you must be born again? The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit of God. And then Ephesians chapter 3 gives us this, uh, uh, this transformation. If you want to turn there, excuse me, yeah, Ephesians chapter 2, um, Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 to 10 and here's what I, here's what I'm trying to lay out for you if 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 you have not been born of God you are dead in sin if you have not been born of God you are dead in sin any way you want to slice it you say well I don't, I don't believe what you believe I don't believe the Bible well let me let me ask you a question have you have you looked out at the world lately Have you thought about what's going on in the world? Is there anybody here that would say everything's great in the world? Is there anybody here that would say there are no problems in the world? I think the world that we live in is just profoundly messed up. And the question that you've got to answer, no matter who you are, where you come from, is where do those problems come from? Where do those problems come from? Uh, There are those that would have you to believe that those problems come from your uh, political affiliation. If you're, a, if you're a, a Democrat, that's the problem. The Republicans are the problem. If you're Republican, the Democrats are the problem. We've got people telling us that the problem is, is the pigment in somebody's skin. And if you've got a certain kind of pigment in your skin, you're just the problem based on the pigment that's in your skin. The the world will will, will go to ridiculous lengths to draw untenable and unreasonable conclusions in order to avoid this one fact that we are in sin. We are dead in sin. We are dead in our trespasses and sin. But if I can eliminate sin and I can blame it on everything else in the world then we don't need a savior, we just need a self-improvement program. And so I want you to understand that that if you have not been born of God, you are dead in sin. And there was a time when I was dead in sin and if you were born and you have not been born of God, you are dead in sin. I don't care how good you think you are or how righteous you think you are, how many people like your Facebook post, you are dead in sin if you have not been born of God. Listen to what Ephesians chapter 2 says how it lays it out. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world. That's where I was until 1970, 74, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. What's wrong with the world? It's sin. It's sin. and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. If you have not been born of God, you are dead in sin. And the text that we're looking at this morning talks about what it means, how do you identify someone who has been born Of God, And if these characteristics are not in your life, you have not been born of God. No matter what what the church told you, no matter what the preacher told you, no matter what somebody told you or you read in a tract, if you have not been born of God, you are dead in sin. But if you have been born of God, there will be these specific characteristics that are active in your life as a believer. Let's read the text. Together, everyone who believes, First John chapter five verse one. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever who loves who loves loves whoever has been born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey. His commandments for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Except the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God. He brackets these five verses with that thought of understanding who Jesus Christ is. Very specific understanding of who Jesus Christ is. So, let us go back to our, our theme of this text. If you have not been born of God, you are dead in sin. So let us answer some questions from the text then. How is a person born of God? If you'll look at verse 1, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. If you'll look at verse 4, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. How is a p- person born of God? Well, let's just take the word born and look at the word born for just a second. The word born means to beget. It means to give birth to. It means to procreate a descendant. It means to uh, produce offspring. It means to descend from God. God brought us forth. He caused us to be born Again, he gave birth to us according to James chapter 1 and verse number 18. And I want you to just consider 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. Listen to what God's word has to say about us being born. 1 Peter 1, 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And he says it again in verse 23. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. In 2nd Peter chapter 1 verse 3, he says, "His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us precious and very great promises that through them you may become partake, partakers of the divine nature having es- escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire." In other words, something has happened, a birth has occurred that has transformed our nature. We are new people on the inside because of the new birth. There is a radical transformation. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. In Galatians 2, 20 says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ is living in me. I'm a completely new person. I have a new heart. I have a new interior world that is a gracious work of God. That's what it means to be born of God. God has done a work and transformed me on the inside and his nature now lives in me. And the the text says everyone who believes or everyone who is believing, and we see the concept concept of believing or faith in verse 1. He says everyone who believes. If you go down to verse 4, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that that that. Victory that has overcome the world, our faith or our believing, same root word there in the Greek, who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God, so we see believe, faith, and believe, and they're they're all the the, the same essentially the same word at their core. Everyone who believes or is believing, what does it mean to believe because this is the key to being being born of God. what does it mean to Believe, the word b- believe means that someone is persuaded, has confidence in, af- affirms, um, is convinced, trusts in, has faith in. Our faith, the, the, verse 4, right, how do we overcome the world? Our faith is the source of our overcoming the world. And uh, according to all of Scripture, the word, the word faith or, or pistis in the Greek language is the response to uh, the the charisma the, the the proclamation of the gospel, faith is not just faith to, in faith, faith is not faith in a decision, faith is not in knowing the date that you were saved, faith is not having a card that saying that says I was baptized or confirmed, faith is in the proclamation of the death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ specifically faith is in the proclamation of Christ coming and fulfilling all righteousness so I cannot be perfectly righteous I do not have to be perfectly righteous to be made right with God Christ gave me his righteousness when I put my faith in him I cannot atone for my sin I can die for my sin and that is just payment for my sin but I cannot do anything about my my sin that is somehow going to bring me into the presence of God. I am banished from the presence of God. But when I put my faith, when I trust what Christ has done in dying for me and paying for my sin on my behalf, I then have deliverance from my sin, atonement for my sin. And I trust that Christ is resurrected from the grave. The kerygma is the proclamation the heralding forth of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so the, the writer of 1 John understands what does it mean to be born of God. It means that my faith is in the finished work of Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. What does it mean to believe that Jesus is the Christ? It means to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. It means to believe that there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I, I like the way Acts chapter 4 and, and verse 12 uh, puts it with, uh, with great clarity. And, and in, a, in a pluralistic society um, where everybody, um, uh, you see the signs, uh, you've seen the coexist signs, and you see the tolerance signs right? They've got a tolerance sign out now. Um, And the reason that Christianity is intolerable is because of Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. The reason Christianity is intolerable is because, here's what we believe, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. To, to, to accurately believe that Jesus is the Christ is your willingness to stand up in a world of people who say there are many ways to get to heaven. And you say and you believe and you rest your hope in the fact that there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There is no way for a Muslim to be saved apart from Christ. There is no way for a Buddhist to be saved apart from Christ. There is no way. Everyone is born in sin. And the only way that we can overcome being born in sin is to be born of God. And the only way that we can be born of God is that is if, that, that we believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to God. And if you say, well, I believe Jesus, but I also believe a lot of other things, then you've missed the gospel completely. You've missed the gospel completely. You can proclaim the gospel to a Hindu, and with their 5,000 gods, they'll add Jesus to that, but not release their other gods. There is no way that you can hang on to your false religious systems, your false beliefs, your false gods, your idols, and claim Jesus as well. You're saying that Jesus is the only way to God. In, in fact, um, 1 Timothy 2 5 tells us there's one mediator between God and man. There's only one go between between sinful man and holy God, and that is Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? That's what 1 John, uh, 1 John chapter 5 and verse 1 is saying. Jesus stood up and he said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Therefore, you can't say, you know what, Jesus was a really good man, but I don't believe he was God. Jesus was a great prophet, but I don't believe he was God. Jesus himself, if he was a great prophet and he's a good man, then he has proclaimed himself to be the son of God. He has proclaimed himself to be the one mediator between you and God. He has proclaimed that there's no way to get to God except through him. And my faith must be in that reality. Jesus is the Christ if I'm going to be born of God. It means that I'm not good enough to be born again. It means that my righteousness is not good enough. It means that there is no other faith form or object of faith. I cannot trust myself, my works, my performance, my ritual, or anything else. I must believe that the man Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the only means of being delivered from my sin through his death and resurrection and being born again into new life. And when I, believe, when I believe that, I am born again. And if I do not believe that, I am dead in my sin. You must be born again. You must be born again. And so we seek to answer from the text This question, how is a person born of God? Because he said, everyone who believes that Jesus Christ, Jesus is the Christ, has been born of God. Have you been born of God? This verse, verse one, tells you exactly how or not. If you have not been born of God, you are dead in your sins. Second question is this How do you know if you have been born of God? How do you know if you have been born of God? You say, "Oh well, man, I, I believe in Jesus. I've been born of God. There are four things. I just want to lay them out in the text. Number one, if we have been born of God, we love the Father. If we have been born of God, we love the Father. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. and Everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. When my nature is transformed by the power of the Spirit of God and I go from death to life, there is something that changes in me, not only spiritually in the core of my being, but rationally as I think through what has occurred in my heart and life and my mind has been renewed. And now there is on my part this love for the Father. This is quite natural depending on our nature. Now, we've got a a messed up, sin-filled world that is deformed the family dynamic in the hearts of fathers. The hearts of fathers, uh, um, I think it's Malachi that talks about the hearts of the fathers will be turned to the children. And and it, it seems like when there is this awakening to the things of God that there is uh, a natural family dynamic. We live in an age where there are unnatural family... Dynamics that the world has created through our brokenness and our believing of lies and our redefinition of the family. We see it happening, but, but let let us understand that in the divine dynamic, there is a father who is sacrificing, giving, and loving. That's why Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And God so loved the world that he gave. And so uh, the, the, the father has loved us and our natural response to the, father's love for us and giving his son to die for our sin is our love for the father we've already learned that from first john we love him because he first loved us and if if that is true then what does it mean to love the father to love the father doesn't mean purely sentiment it doesn't mean purely feeling or emotion but uh, what it means when we look at the term agape it means sacrifice to love the Father, and we see it over and over again in Scripture, means that I lay down my life for Him. It means I surrender to Him. It means I commit my life to do His will. There is this driving force in me that says, I, I want to be near Him and with Him and in fellowship with Him and enjoy Him and be used by Him. I don't want anything to come between me and Him. I want to love and serve and give all that I am and all that I have to Him. That's what it means to love the Father. It means I surrender my life to the Father. I want to know Him. I want to live for Him. I want to die for Him. In 1974, when I came to Christ, there was this this awareness that came over me that um, that my my time belonged to somebody else and not me now, that my ears belonged to somebody else and not me now. I can't just listen to everything that everybody else listens to. I can't just look at everything. My eyes don't belong to me now. My heart doesn't belong to me now. I can't let my heart get in the briars and the weeds of the world. My heart now belongs to God. I also realized my money belonged to God. (laughs) All of it, every bit of it, it it all belonged to him. I, I realized that my time belonged to God. And, and I, I didn't have these these categories and compartments of my life. I didn't have a God compartment where where um, I did God stuff, and then when I finished up with the God stuff, I closed up the God compartment, and then I went over to the Mark compartment. No, uh, believing, believing the gospel is all-encompassing, and to say that we love God is a matter of us surrendering our life to Jesus Christ. It goes way, way, way beyond how you feel about Jesus or the things you say about Jesus the warped gospel that we believe today is really just a call to self-love it's a circumstantial love it's a fair-weather love and our concern as it as it relates to our relationship with Jesus Christ is about what he's done for me or what he can do for me and r- real love lays down its life i love my i'm supposed to love my wife like Christ loved the church what does that mean That she's supposed to cook for me and clean for me and wash my clothes and and vacuum for me and take care of me. What a warped view, men, that we have of women, right? Women are not slaves. Women are not less than. Women, Women are not powerless. Women should be treated as a precious, precious gift, and I should be willing, if I love my wife like Christ loved the church, to lay down my life for my wife and to love God Is exactly that. Why? Why am I willing to lay down my life for God? What a waste. (laughs) What a waste. No, it's not a waste. When I love God, I see him as the supreme value and there is nothing that is too good for me to lay down, to walk away from, to stop doing, to give up, to give to him, to sacrifice to him, to surrender to him. The scripture's are filled with terms like laying down your life. If any, man, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, not indulge himself. Romans tells us we're a living sacrifice. Jesus said there's a narrow gate. We're told, we're told it's, 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 a, it's a very clear line. <laughs> it's not blurred. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. You can't love the Father and love the world. You can't love, you can't love mammon and love God at the same time. He minced no words when he said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. We know that we love the Father when we know that he loves us. And when we know that he loves us, we know that he knows best and that there is a world beyond this one that I long to go to because he is there. So I'm not trying to wring everything out of this world that tantalizes and pleases myself and my flesh. I'm willing to lay all of this down because my citizenship is in heaven and I'm going to a much better place and I am laying up my treasure in heaven and I'm looking forward to going there instead of trying to get everything out of this life here. So I'm going to lay my life down for him. And this is this is absolutely revolutionary. When we have been born of God, we love the Father. Secondly, when we have been born of God, the text makes it clear we love the family. We love those who are in the family of God. I've got a brother and two sisters and um, I, I was up in Hendersonville, North Carolina a couple of weeks ago and I was in a, a, a meeting up there and I, I got on the phone as soon as I got out. I said, hey, where are you? And my sister said, well, we were just at the ice cream. She said, remember the ice cream place we went to when you were up here last time? I'm like, yeah. She said, we were just there. I said, well, let's, I'll meet you there. She said, it just closed. They were headed back to their home in Greenville. They turned around, they came back, we got together and they took me downtown to some chocolate place. It wasn't as good as the custard ice cream, but it was good and we just sat there. And I want to tell you, I love my brother and I love my sisters because we're family. But everyone, look, look at the text, look at the text. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. Did you get that? Everyone who loves the Father loves everyone who has been born of the Father. If you say that you have been born of the Father, then Scripture is saying that you will love the Father, number one, but you will love everyone who has been born of the Father. So the criteria that is necessary for the love that should exist in this body of believers is being born of the of God. He, said, he said it in chapter 4 and verse number uh, 21. No, notice, notice what the, the text says. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. If we love the Father, we will love the children of God. We will share the Father's love for his children. If you love the Father who gave you life, you will love those whom the Father has given life. And, and that's then what Scripture is devoted to. You can go to Ephesians chapter 4, uh, a really cool uh, passage of Scripture that, that addresses these issues for us. But if you'll look at Ephesians chapter 4, let me find my place. Verse 22. He says in Ephesians 4.22, to put off the old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through the deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, creating the likeness of God, I'm born of God, in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. We are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. That's a relationship. I love the brothers because they have been born of God and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up. Again, it's it's relational. And as fits the occasion that that it may give grace to the hear and do not grieve the holy spirit of god by whom we were sealed for the day of redemption how do you do that you you grieve the spirit of god when your relationships are not loving toward those who have been born of god let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice be kind to one another tenderhearted forgiving one another as god in christ forgave you. We see just this, this little clip, this snippet of of what it looks like to be in Christ. There are a lot of people who say they love God, but they don't love the brethren. And I would say you don't love God. And I would say you haven't been born of God. The text is again not mincing words. It's profoundly clear. There are attitudes, behaviors, words conversations that are off limits there are actions and then and and attitudes of lost people that should not characterize those who know christ one of the one of the key factors people people say it all the time they're like hey i'll tell you what man i can i can just worship god out here at the lake me and god we just get along i don't need to go to church to worship god did you know that church is not only about worshiping god did you, did you know that church is about loving your brothers? You know why it says, Hebrews 10, 25, not to forsake the assembly of give yourselves together so that you come together and you encourage your, your brothers and sisters in Christ. If my family gets together for Thanksgiving. I don't want one of my kids saying, I'll tell you what, I, I'm just going to be thankful over here at my house. We're not coming together with you. Something's going to be missing and they're going to be missing something. There's something about the family dynamic in loving one another that is only possible in, in a human-to-human human inter, interaction. So, so, so what do you love? What do you love? Do you love your uh, identity? Do you love your denominational identity? Do you love your theological identity? Do you love truth? Do you love your institutional identity? Do you love your social identity? And all of these things are human refinements of what is supposed to be our spiritual identity. We want to be perceived as smart. We want to perceive, be perceived as intellectual. We want to be perceived as superior. We want to be perceived as, as, as righteous. But the, but the supreme identity of the believer, listen, call yourself whatever denomination you want to. I, I don't know about you, but if you've ever been in settings where people are really committed to their denominational flavor, and that's what they are, their flavors. They're flavors. You find somebody that's, then you find a division. A division. And those divisions shouldn't exist among people who have been born of God. I don't care what your denominational flavor is. Okay? Those are, those are, we, look at, we look at love for the brethren and we say, let me refine it a little bit. Let me refine it. Let me refine it. Because them folks that believe that, they, they're just not as intellectual as we are. They're not as spiritual as we are. They, they haven't read the same systematic theology books that we've read. We, we refine it. Here's the deal. The bottom line is this. The, 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 our identity should be this, that we love one another. Those who have been born of God love God. And they love each other. This week I was hungry. I was really, it was about 2.30, so I was hangry. I mean, I, was, I wanted something to eat bad. And I was over in Griffin, and I pulled into the, ch- the Truett's at Griffin, and I pulled in, and I was sitting at the drive-thru, and I heard some horns blowing, ah, ah, and I heard somebody say, you better get out of the way. And somebody said, well, I was just going around you. You were sitting there, and somebody said, well, you don't want to mess with me. And I'm just like, huh. Now, when I hear people angry, I think I've done something wrong. I'm like, did I do it? Did I?" Because I pulled around that. That, that envoy that was sitting there, and they looked like they were half asleep, and I was angry. And I just, you know, and so I got my food and, and left quickly because <laughs> I didn't want to be around dissension. And just as much as hatred and dissension is tangible and noticeable and touchable and feelable, and you experience it just as much, as, as if somebody were in this room, if, if Michael and Alicia were to, were to drag their argument over breakfast because he burnt the toast, and she's mad at him for burning the toast, or he's mad at her because the date on the milk was out of date, and they drag that in here, and they walk in here, and they're mad at each other, you're going to feel it. You're going to feel it. And what, what would you think if they just erupted in an argument over here? And I'm up here trying to preach, and you're out here trying to sing, and they just erupted. In, or you'd say, That's, I feel that. I see that. I sense that. In the same way, the love for the brothers ought to be that visible. People, people ought to look at us. You say, well, where, where are you getting that from? Um, by, all, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples. If you have one, love one for another not not if not if not if you come from the right theological camp not if you read the right books not no no love one another have you been born of god if you have been born of god you love god if you have been born of god you love the brothers if you have been born of god you obey The scriptures. Notice, notice what he says. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. (laughs) Jesus said, My my yoke is easy, my burden is light, Matthew eleven. The Pharisees were like, The word of God says this, let us heap this on you, let us heap this on you. No, the, the commandments of God are a joy, they're not a burden. They are a delight, according to Psalm one nineteen. They are like honey in the honeycomb. Now, now listen to me. If you have not been born of God, the Word of God is going to be a burden to you. You're going to be, oh man, I got to do what God says. I got to obey. Well, I got to obey God's Word. He's saying if you have been born of God, you obey the Scriptures, and the Scriptures are not burdensome. The Scriptures are not heavy. The Scriptures are not grievous. They are are good commands from a good God who knows us to the core of our being and loves us. Human reason will never bring us to the place of sitting underneath the Word of God and saying, God, speak to me from your Word. I want to do what your Word says. I I say this often. Until you want to know the answer to this question, what does the Word of God say, then there is very little help to be found for you what does God's Word say? What does God's Word say? We must find our answers from Scripture. We must obey Scripture. The psalmist made it clear of his delight in the Word of God. So I would, I would ask you do, you, do you love God? Do, do you love the brothers? And, and is Scripture a burden to you? Are you constantly trying to wrestle your way from beneath the Scripture? And then fourthly, if you've been born of God, you love God. If you've been born of God, you love those who have been born of God. You love the brothers, the family. Thirdly, if you have been born of God, you obey the Scriptures. And fourthly, if you have been born of God, you overcome the world. You overcome the world. The text makes it clear for everyone, everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome past the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Now, let me, let me break this down for you briefly. There is a dangerous foe. There is a real enemy. He is the ancient foe that, that seeks to work among us. His desire is to steal and kill and destroy. He is powerful Beyond imagination. He is a roaring lion. He goes about seeking whom he may devour. He wants to grab you and sift you as sweet. Jesus Christ told Peter that. Satan wants to sift you. One of his followers. Have you ever looked in the, into, into the eyes or the heart of someone who has been overcome by the world? Overcome obliterated, pulverized my sin. There is an enemy who wants to grab you. There is an enemy who wants to enslave you. There is an enemy who wants to dominate you. There is an enemy who wants to control you. David was a man after God's own heart. He had a 1,000 women on retainer, and all of a sudden he glanced over the wall at just the right time, on just the right day, and saw just the right thing. And for the rest of David's life, he regretted his sin with Bathsheba. Because there is a great foe who is after our heart. But the text tells us those who have been born of God overcome, have victory over, prevail over the world. We have overcome. The text would bear this out. We have overcome because of what Christ has done. Jesus Christ rose victorious over sin and defeated, kicked sin in the teeth. And when we rest in him, we have overcome. We are overcomers through him. Not only have we overcome past tense, but we are overcoming. In other words, we're facing that battle on a daily basis and overcoming the world. We're constantly in the process of overcoming the world on a daily basis. And we are overcoming the world by our faith in the great victory that Jesus Christ has won over the world. One writer said this about overcoming the world. Think about this. Think about this. The idea that, that, that anything born of God could be defeated by the world is foreign to John. It's foreign to the writer. The idea that anything born of God could be defeated by the world. Notice notice what he says. He, he He makes it profoundly clear. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. The text, here's what the text is doing. The text is saying, hey, if you've been born of God, you love God. You love those who have been born of God. You obey the word of God and you overcome the world. He closes with the same statement. He's saying, hey, if you love God and you love the brethren and you obey the word, what's the fourth one? And you overcome the world, then you have been born of God. That's what he's saying. And so the question that you need to answer this morning is this, have you been born of God? Because if you, have not been, if you have not been born of God, you are dead in your sin. You are separated from the life of God. And if you were to die in this moment, you would spend eternity separated from God in a place that the Bible calls hell. And I still believe in that. You, you don't want to be caught dead, separated from God. And so I, I plead with you this morning, if you have not been born of God, you are dead in your sins, and if you are dead in your sins, you are in the worst possible place that anybody could ever be. Have you been born of God? Do you have as the central value and motivation in your life the reality of who Jesus Christ is revealed to be in scripture? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, the the life? Do you believe that there's no other name under heaven given among men everywhere, all seven billion men on this planet, whereby anyone could be saved? Do you believe that this morning? And are you resting? Is your faith, is your belief in Christ and Christ alone to make you right with God? And if it is, you have been born of God. And if you have been born of God, you will love God. You will love the brothers. You will obey Scripture, and you will overcome the world. So, do you love the Father? Do you love the family? Do you align your heart and actions with the commands of Scripture? And are you overcoming the world? Have you been born of God or are you dead in your sin this morning? Every Sunday when we gather, we have juice and we have bread. these are symbols not only are they symbols but they're statements they're statements there's no magic here please 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 there is no magic this is not a ritual putting this juice in your palate and putting this piece of cardboard like substance on your tongue and letting it dissolve is not going to do one thing for you spiritually in the physical form of the elements Please understand that. We don't believe this is magical. We don't believe this becomes the blood of Jesus. We don't believe this literally becomes the body of Jesus. These are symbols. These are symbols. These are symbols that remind us of Jesus Christ and his Life that was given for us, it reminds us of his resurrection. It reminds us of one day we're going to be with him. These are symbols that remind us of that. That's why we partake. That's why we touch them. A picture paints a thousand words, and this juice and this bread should be painting far more words than a thousand words as it relates to our understanding of being born of God, of being born again, or the finished work of Jesus Christ, the gospel, his death, burial, and resurrection. These are symbols. And when we partake of them, it is, it is a statement. It needs to be a reflection of your heart, it needs to be a reflection of what you really believe. If you don't believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, the only way to heaven, very God of God, the Son of God, the only way that your sin could be forgiven is through His death and burial, and the only way that you can have victory over sin is through His resurrection. And if you're not resting completely in Him and trusting Him in this hour, then you should not partake of this because when we partake of this, that's the statement that we're making, that I'm trusting Christ, that I believe in what He did that I remember him, that I celebrate him. So we come together on Sunday to remember the Lord. If you are believing this morning, Jesus said, take and eat. This is my body. And he said, drink. Pray with me this morning. Before we pray, if you're here today and you say, man, I, what do I do? What do I do? I see no fruit. I see no evidence. I don't know if I'm born of God or not. Can I, can I just come, come talk to me? Come talk to, there's so many people in this room that would love to talk to you. Grab some. grab anybody in this room. And if they say, hey, I'm, I'm a first-time visitor myself, just grab anybody in this room and they can take you to the right person or they can proclaim good news to you and tell you what you need to do this morning, but my prayer is that if God' spoken to your heart and you have not been born of God, that you will be born of God today, that you would trust Christ today. Let's pray together. Father, we ask you to speak to our hearts. We ask you to challenge us this morning in the area of our love for you. It's so it's so challenging because the, the forces in this world are so alluring the lies are so convincing, the flesh is so powerful. Raise up in this place of people that love you. Lord, raise up in this place of people that love one another. And I pray that our love would be as loud as those women who were mad at each other at Truett's. I pray it would be so tangible you could cut it with a knife. I pray that it would be Um, Compelling. I pray that it would be evidence of the reality of something that is outside of this world. I pray, Father, that you would cause us to be a people that love the Word of God, that read the Word of God, that study the Word of God, that converse about the Word of God, that meet in life group to talk about the Word of God, that meet with men and women and talk about Scripture. And, and Lord, examine our hearts and lives to see how we can line our lives up with the Word of God, knowing, Lord, that this world is going to put some burdens on us that are going to break us down. The world is going to tell us lies and, and offer us comfort that never comforts but only brings misery but your commandments are not burdensome. So I pray that you would awaken us to your love, to the beauty of your word. And Father, I pray that in these challenging times that you would help us here at South Point overcome the world. I pray that our conversations would be dominated by the hope that's ours There's coming a day where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And I pray that our hearts would long for that day when we drink this wine and eat this bread afresh with you and your kingdom. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.